Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, Ma. Hi. <laughs> we, we talk a lot now about, like, you know, how you're outgrowing me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering how, like, what feels good about that. Knowing that I'm not limited to what you know, being honest about how much I know, knowing that I don't have to move at your pace for you to love me and understand me and be with me and still be able to help me. Not having to limit myself or be scared of how much I know, not having to ask you every time I do everything because I'm scared that I'm wrong. Being able to grow at my own pace, not having to hide what I know. And... Just getting to be more of me. Um, and to accept you for who you are and what you know. Oh, that's a gift to me. Stand up fussing and fighting. Hello, hello. I'm Nalika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising children. I was going to say three children, but people are raising different numbers of children. Um, today, I am joined by... Carvel Wallace. Say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Um, and we're going to be talking about like where we are right now in our parenting and watching our children grow, kind of like outgrow us, grow past us. And um, all of the complicated feelings that come up with, you know, come up when that happens. So I like to start the podcast with one word to describe how you're feeling. So Carvel, tell me, how are you feeling? Um, light. Light. Yeah. I'm feeling giddy. Like, oh. I want to like, <laughs> I'm feeling like. Bubbly, like you're like it's like mm-hmm. so good to be in your space. So and even though it's like virtual, so I'm feeling giddy about it. Um, tell the people about yourself. Uh, I am a father to two kids who are 16 and 19. Um, I'm a writer by profession, uh, and I live in Oakland, California, and that's basically it for right now. All right. It's so funny. I was listening to our, like, our, the first time we recorded together mm-hmm. and, like, the litany of things that you had to share. This is, like, a whole other kind of edited version. <laughs> I like it. It's, 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 it says a lot. Um, tell us about your people, your children. So uh, my daughter is 16, and um, in high school, I just, the the last... I just went with her. She had to leave. She left school in the middle of the day because she needed to get her nose repierced so that she could look the way she wanted to look for prom. And I was like, well, we'll just do it on the weekend. She's like, no, but I have to leave. I have to I have a free period and I have to go because prom is Friday. Junior prom is Friday and I got to go and I got to get my nose repierced. I'm like, so what do you need from me? She's like, well, you have to meet me at the piercing place because I'm under 18. And I'm like, all right. So we go to the piercing place. We meet up. She drives now. So like, I'm not. It's just like, she's like, meet me there. So we, we're supposed to go to this one that's close by. That one is closed for some reason. Uh, <clears throat> and so we end up having to drive like another 30 miles out of the way to go to this other one. And it was just really sweet. It was nice to just like pull up to a spot and my daughter is like hops out of her car and I hop out of my car and we go into the place and I'm thinking about getting a piercing, but I, I'm like asking her if I should. She's like, if you want to, you should get a septum piercing, dad. And I thought about it, but then I had to get back to work. So I was like, I, I might do this later. And uh, she got her piercing and it was just great. And then um, that's the vibe she's on. She's like playing sports and looking at colleges and getting her like things pierced. And it's just, I don't know. I'm just like happy. She just makes me happy. Um, my son is 19 and he has graduated from high school. He's going to 
He's been working for like a year at a restaurant and he saved up a bunch of money and he's trying to move to New York and he's really close to doing it. Um, and he's looking, he's like got a few offers of places to move into and he's like talking with people who live there to like either go look at the places or check them out. I mean, he's really trying to do this and I, he's not going to college. He just wants to go to New York and just like vibe. And I don't really think there's any good way to stop him because that's really what he wants. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he's, you know, I just, he's really going to do it. And even some of the people that he's connected to are people that either I know or, or his mom knows. We put out a call on social media, like kids of like people we went to college with or kids of people that we used to kick it with in, in like the 90s. Like, oh, my son's best friend has a place in, in Brooklyn and maybe he, and and uh, we just pass this information on to him and he just takes care of it. I don't know what's going on unless he asks me for help. The other day, he, he did want to ask me for help, and we talked for like an hour and a half about feelings and fear and stuff. But I'm not involved logistically, and I'm I'm happy that I'm not because it's just so cool to see him do stuff on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because when he was growing up, that was the thing we always struggled with as his parents is like, when is he going to do stuff on his own? When, he was always sort of like just a shade behind where it seemed like he was supposed to be. I don't know if that's where he was supposed to be, but it, it, everyone else would be like, oh, he's not doing this yet. He should be doing that. And at school, teachers would be like, he's a little, should he? And everything, even when he was a baby, oh, he didn't touch his toes yet. He should be finding his feet. You know, everything was always, he's not doing it fast enough vibes. Mm. And that used to stress us out as parents. And I think the struggle over the 19 years has been to accept that he's doing it exactly at the pace that is right for him. And... um so with this move, when he started being like, yeah, I'm going to move out and I'm going to go to New York. Of course, my initial thought was like, in New York, you haven't even found your feet yet. You know, like I still, mm-hmm. I'm like, you're just this baby who can't even remember to put his shoes on, you know, and like now you're going to go off and just be in New York by yourself. But it was like, again, like remembering that my job isn't to, um, my parenting job is different now than it was when he was younger. My parenting job is like, to fall back and let him do what he needs to do. Okay, before you do the whole podcast conversation yeah, we're supposed to be having, before you get because before you do the whole thing, can we just <laughs> pause for a quick second? Um, mm-hmm. I, as you're talking and thinking about what we're going to talk about today, I've been thinking about my kids as babies, and I want to talk about it. <laughs> so my, mm-hmm. my like question for you is like, yeah, what, yeah. like, how were like, what are your, who were they as babies? So I want to start. So mm-hmm. um, I have three children Mm. and the oldest blue who's now 16 um oh my gosh she had the biggest cheeks i know she had the biggest cheeks like her cheeks were like just huge it always looked like she had was eating something we like so often (laughs) put our finger in our mouth like she must have something in her mouth because her cheeks are so huge she had the biggest smile. She would like smile for anyone as long as I was holding her. And if we got separated, she would lose her entire shit. One day she cried for me for like uh, almost like a whole eight hours straight. Mm. I came back and she was like still crying. We're like that attached. And then as soon as I like we were together, she was cool. She was always um, her favorite thing to do was to like press the button on the wipes container and like see it pop up. <laughs> and I was just like, she was just so amazed by it. Um, there's so many much things. Like, I'm so happy. Like it's coming to me. Um, Moxie, who is my 14 year old son, um, as a baby, he always had like a mug, like, like, don't look at me. Like, oh, like, just like, do not look at me. Do not. But was so cuddly and would like go with anybody. Sometimes we'd like have to like find him in places he'd crawl off and like be under some stranger and they would be like, please don't, please don't, please. I didn't do anything with your child. (laughs) And he was always really observant. Like you would forget him in a room. So you'd put him in a high chair and like, he could sit in a high chair for like all day and just like watch and be happy um, and content. And then my youngest, Glory, who's now 10. Oh my, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like born a fighter, like as a baby, like li- like three months old, like grabbing people's hair, grabbing people's cheeks. It's a very 
physically aggressive person and always in the mix, like always in the mix. Like the kids, her, her siblings would always be like, if we put her in the high chair or anything, like she doesn't want to be in the high chair. You have to take her out. So she was like always on the loose everywhere. She was like, she was just wild. We're just like, this one is just wild. Just like, just let her be. Um, they were so sweet. Babies are not babies anymore. How are your, how are your kids as babies? Well, um, the oldest one, Ezra, was, we always, when he was born, we used to joke that he was like a turtle that got pulled out of his shell early because he just had this sort of look about him that was like a little bit like, he wasn't quite ready for the world. Like he just was like, he just seemed a little bit like a little flabbergasted by everything. (laughs) He, he too was also very thoughtful and observant, um, and he was, if it's weird to say a baby seemed intellectual, but he seemed intellectual. Yes, he like he was always yes. forming thoughts and making connections and just like mm-hmm. really just like considering stuff. Um, as he grew, he developed this um, this thing that was like a very airy type quality, like a little spacey, a little bit like headed, like able to see things in a way that was different than everyone else saw them. Um, and just like, and I think that put him at odds with the world sometimes with other kids, other boys, especially. I remember I was just thinking about this time when it was like his, some birthday party of his, maybe seventh or eighth. And we did this big thing. We took all these, all these kids to the drive-in movie and we were in the car and he was talking, he was talking, making small talk with these boys. And he said, you know, he was talking about redwood trees and he said, you know, redwood trees, what's cool about them is they have like a mommy redwood tree and then they have baby redwood trees and the baby redwood trees hang around the mommies. And one of the kids was like, they're trees. They're not people. They don't have mommies and daddies. And I just watched his face in the rearview mirror fall because he was just like slightly, he it's like he was at, I don't forget what age it was. Was it fourth grade? You know, whatever. But he was like, the boys above mm-hmm. him had let go of this idea of relating to the world mm-hmm. in this way that had to do with like love and family. And he just hadn't let go of it. And they were telling him, you need to let go of that now. And I just watched him like wrestle with that through a lot of his adolescence. Um, and uh, he's he's grown into someone I think who's very confident in who he is. Um, he knows that some people mm-hmm. don't like think he's cool or whatever, but he just, he just rocks with it. He's really kind. Mm-hmm. Um, he works at a restaurant, and I always hear from his managers that he's just so nice, that everyone's just like, he's such a nice person. He's so caring and careful with people's feelings. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes he does mess up, and he does say something, tries to crack a joke and hurt someone's feelings and or misreads a social cue, and you know, but he owns up to it. Um, so, I, yeah, he's cool. My daughter was Earth, like, all the way from the beginning. She was like, I know what I'm here for. I know what I'm doing. Both feet are on the ground. Please get out of my way. If you don't get out of my way, we're going to have words. Thank you. I'm glad it didn't come to that. Please move. I have stuff to do. She's very focused. Um, and Focus uh, baby. Focus baby, yeah. Oh, wow. And um, she also was very physical when she came out. Like, she was born, he was born like a week early. She was born like a week and a half late. And it's it's like, it felt like the extra gestation really was evident from the moment she came out. She, mm-hmm. I feel like she came out walking and riding a bike already, even though she didn't. Mm-hmm. She was also so chubby when she was a kid that people, it was like, it people would freak out when they I saw her. Everyone wanted to put her arms and just like, ah, I want to eat the baby. I need to eat the baby. <laughs> Everyone was trying to eat the baby with her. It was so nuts. She was ridiculous. And oh, uh, and she was so tough, too. Like, I mean, because, you know, she had a brother who was two and a half years older. He'd be, like, mm-hmm. falling off a thing. And I just remember one time he was, like, r- like squirming around on the couch. And she walked over and he she just learned to walk 18 months. And he, like, kicked her in the face by accident, just, like, with his, with his shoe on, just mm-hmm. flailing. And she just kind of, like, took it. She just ate that kick and was like, okay, anyway. And then climbed up on the couch. I was like, damn, she is a tank. Um, yes. Yeah, and growing up, she, the other thing about her was her her force of willpower. Her tantrums were unmatched. Mm. Uh, no one could out could outlast a tantrum of hers, and she's very forceful and very strong, mm-hmm. and she still is that way. So mm-hmm. you don't really want to get into a power struggle with her. You just kind of want to move around. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have I have one like that. I have one yeah. like that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that another time, another episode, different episode. Yeah. So when I was thinking about this idea of um, 
our children growing, growing, like just, I don't know, I just keep thinking like growing past us. This is like the, like the visual that comes to my mind. Mm. I was thinking about holding space for them. And that idea of like what's hard about that is like the waiting, like there's nothing to do. You're just like waiting or it's not or whatever. And so I was like, oh, I'm curious about that. I'm like, the, like waiting and mm. what those early memories of waiting might be. Um, and so I, I would love to hear a story of yours, an early memory of like waiting. Waiting for, what do you mean? Like waiting for? Just waiting for anything. Sometimes waiting can be mm. like, there's like that kind of like patient waiting. that's like meditative. Um, mm. I'll tell my story first. So then you can hear what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll click something for you. So mm-hmm. when I started thinking about waiting, you know, you had a while, a little while ago said to me something about how I say your name Carvel. And what I realized, I've been saying Carvel my entire life because mm. where I grew up in the Bronx, we had Carvel ice cream mm-hmm. and they did soft serve. And mm-hmm. so we had a Carvel um, on 233rd Street and it was like, you didn't go there every day. Like that's not something like you did every day because mm-hmm. usually it's like Mr. Softy, the ice cream truck comes around. But every so often, maybe once a week or so, you either might like walk down to Carvel and it was a trek or maybe my dad would take us. But when you showed up at the Carvel ice cream shop and it was like a drive-in, like everybody just kind of comes up to the window kind of thing. I don't even know a place that exists that looks like that now, but it's mm-hmm. like you just like, maybe like a taco stand kind of like, but it's a, it's a, you know, brick and mortar. It's there. But they have a place big. in California called Foster's that's like that. Or they used to have oh. it. Foster's Freeze. Where it's the same thing. It's like a little window. Yeah. You park. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And you park. Everybody parks around it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you went to go get a Carvel ice cream, um, you're going to be there for about an hour and a half. This is just part of what it is. Like, it's just like, it's the Bronx. This is what it is. Like, you know, when you go in, part of the experience is like waiting in the parking lot for your turn. There's like two people working back there always. Mm -hmm. Summertime is like Mm -hmm. everybody showed up. And sometimes it'll only be like two people outside waiting, but it's Mm -hmm. still like you're waiting for an hour for whatever reason. Like Mm -hmm. the machine ain't working or they got a cake to make, whatever it is. And I just remember in that, like, waiting for something that I, like, I don't even think I necessarily, like, loved it that much. But there was something about a hot summer night. Mm. And, like, I could hear the sound of the, like, the motor of the ice cream machine. Mm. And maybe, like, being with my dad and my siblings. And, like, you never know. Maybe somebody might pop up that you know Mm. from school. You know, like, it's just Mm -hmm. this kind of, like. Oh, that summer waiting. That is just, mm. I just love it. <laughs> I just like, I just, mm. I just, I just love. And I'm, I think I'm realizing more and more, like, sometimes I want to have an experience and it's like, I'm trying to like relive like, um, a whole, you know, felt sense. It's like, it's not the food. It's not the truck. It's not the smell. It's not the, it's like all of it together. And I'm Mm -hmm. trying to like, so Mm -hmm. that's what came up for me. What about you? Well, um, it's interesting. The main thing that, I mean, I, we just had a mother's day dinner where at the place where the service was like, for whatever reason, these people did not have it together. And so we ended up having to wait hours at the table. It was so funny. And everyone was in a good mood about it, but it was just, that was the first thing I thought of. But no, when when the kids were little, I was just remembering this. My son, it would be waiting for them to go to sleep, actually, is was the waiting. And waiting for them to settle down at night and, and like putting them to bed and just going through that process of like mm-hmm. knowing that you couldn't go anywhere Everything was happening on their schedule. And I think even when they were little, through the day, as parents, we were always trying to make things happen in our schedule. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get your shoes on. Okay, let's go. Do you have the diaper bag? Okay, let's go. Okay, come on, get in the car. Okay, I'm going to count to three. Like, it was always you're trying to make them do stuff on your schedule. And even if you were trying to be gentle about it, I, and, and even as when I was doing it, some voice in the back of my head would be like, what is the hurry? Where are we going? To the park so we can be at the park and then so we can mm-hmm. finish being in the park so we can get back home so we can have a snack. And maybe it was like the nap was a little bit of a, th- you know, there were these markers through the day, but mostly 
it was weird how I, as a effectively a stay at home dad because I worked evenings and weekends. Mm-hmm. It was weird how much I was trying to get them to be on a schedule f- for what. But at night, there you know you could try to be like, okay, time to go to bed, time to go to bed. But you couldn't force you know toddlers to go to sleep, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. that was a moment that I always felt like I gave in to to the waiting. Um, and I would just have to sit there with them and read uh, some stories and make up some stories and sing, play some songs on guitar. And I remember when I was when my when Ezra was really little. This is before Georgia was born. You know how little kids will sometimes play with their earlobes before they go. He would play with my with my earlobe. <laughs> he would reach up. He would put one thumb in his mouth. He was not a big thumb sucker, but he put one thumb in his mouth when he was going to sleep, and he would reach up until he found my earlobe, and then he would just start playing with it. And it was like that moment. I mean, we'll get in. Maybe we'll get into this later. But this is a thing I've been thinking a lot about lately in my life. I'm having Mm -hmm. emptiness syndrome right now because my Mm -hmm. kids are effectively leaving. Like it really kicked up a notch when my daughter Mm -hmm. got her driver's license because it was like the last thing she needed me to do, which was drive her around Mm -hmm. places. Now that was over. And um, there's a feeling of, and I, I recently have written about this and I'm still writing about it for this book I'm working on, but like, when they were little, I had this job w- that I was responsible for, which was caring for them, mm-hmm. always making stuff for them, getting getting the milk warm and getting them to the thing and changing the diapers. And, and like, yeah, it was frustrating and annoying and all that. But like, I had this purpose mm-hmm. that was so clear and it went all the way through, you know, then middle school and making them dinner and picking them up and taking mm-hmm. them to soccer and this, that. And then it's just like, I don't have that purpose anymore. And it's mm-hmm. true. I feel that emptiness. Mm-hmm. But in that moment where Ezra like reached my earlobe, that was early on in my parenting journey. And I remember having this sudden feeling like, oh my God, I I have a purpose. Like this kid needs my earlobe mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Like my my whole body that I've dragged through all of this bullshit before this kid was born, like teenagehood bullies, parties, drugs, everything, all this shit that I was dragging myself through. Now I have a fucking purpose and mm-hmm. it's to help this little creature feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that was really powerful for me in that moment. And I think right now, as we transition out of that, I'm missing mm-hmm. that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely, I mean, it's where we're starting. <laughs> it's like, it's literally where we're starting. Um, I definitely feel um, not necessarily, I don't know. It doesn't feel like empty nest in the sense of, um, I say to my kids all the time, like, you don't have to go anywhere. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, you're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, we're good. Like, you got your own room. Like, what's up? Like, mm-hmm. let's just give me space. Like, you can hold this fine. Like, you're good. <laughs> and it's so interesting because I do remember that kind of sense, like, I didn't get to the, like, let them, like, surrender to the sleep, like, just surrender to their time until my youngest. Mm-hmm. So I was, do- like, mm-hmm. all of that, like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, when are they going to go to sleep? Mm-hmm. When am I going to mm-hmm. be able to, like, not worry mm-hmm. about blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then they grow into these people that are, like, self-sufficient in so many ways. And you also, like, release that kind of, like, I was thinking about this on Mother's Day. I was like, Mother's Day came um, and my, I kind of didn't even think about it. Like, I don't think, I it's like Mother's Day. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's funny. Like, it right. didn't feel like a holiday for me. It felt like, oh yeah, I got to call my mother. And I had this thought, I was like, this is so interesting. I remember feeling like when Mother's Day came, maybe I would get a break from mothering. And how fucked up is, yeah, and you know, how fucked up the world we live in, and that, like, that's what Mother's Day is for so many people because it's just so hard to mother, to parent. Like, it's just so, because of all the things that have nothing to do with being in a relationship with your child. And, um, and so now, I, yeah, I was like, I just feel like I'm figuring out how to just, like we're get like I just love it so much where we are and they're just like growing past me. And like they're just like I just see them like right, like you're tethered, like we're still tethered together, but I see you like 
you're 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 you're, you're, you're like you're you're moving you're moving past me and I think something um yeah I think like right now I'm in a space of like letting go mm-hmm. and there's a lot of a lot of like like tears because like like <laughs> it'd be the most crazy thing like they'll just say something and I'll just feel myself welling up because there's like this moment like only I see it of like oh yeah I see the I see you've grown past something like I remember, I remember the feeling of like you needing my earlobe, like you're talking like or something. And I see that I can sense it. I can sense. I can. I can feel it. And um, it's really, 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 really. Um, it's like all of the 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 amount of conversion of emotions that I feel around it has me. It, it's really a morning of sorts. Like it, it feels like For sure. a kind of um. For sure. Something very complicated is happening at the same time. Like something very complicated for me. Um, I also am in a space of like, like I feel like my role is a lot of holding space. Mm. And I've come to this understanding of like holding space being like, like, you know, like waiting patiently for people to, to trust the process. It's like how, like I was talking to my partner about it. Like we're talking about holding space and different things. I was like, what exactly is that? What does that mean? Mm. I was like, I feel like it's just like you're waiting for, you know, like you're going to be grounded while everyone kind of, the people around you that you're ushering through something is like learning to trust the process of what we're in. And I feel like, and that's what I'm doing. And the part of holding space with my kids is just like, there's not really much to do, you know, like it's not about, it's not an active, it's not like an active role. It's kind of like a, a it's almost like I'm base, you know, like you play tag and you just yeah, take a that's right. for a second. That's and you like, right. you're like, you're running and you're running. You're like, okay, I need to take a breath. And they like tag me, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm home you're based. Base. Like, yeah. And they just like come in and sometimes we need to talk. Sometimes they don't need to have shoelace, yeah. maybe like the breath yeah. water, like, and then yeah. they're back out. Yeah. I think that's the right metaphor. And I, I was thinking about, the earlobe thing, I realized a lot of, there is a mourning and all that. And also being a parent for me has been a lot about l- learning how to like change. Cause my kids are always changing faster than I am. Cause mm-hmm. to me, less time has passed relative to my experience than it has for them. Mm-hmm. For them mm-hmm. a year ago, that was like a million years ago. For me, that was mm-hmm. literally last week. Right. So like, mm-hmm. I remember when my son was in uh senior in high school, which was uh, you know, a year a year ago, and we were getting into some some beef, you know, about because is he going to graduate? Maybe he's not. You know, he barely really got, you know, and like I was like, at least I'm not. I've given up on like you, but you, but just please, just try to graduate from high school, like you know, mm-hmm. and like even that, he was like, but and he was down for that, but he also didn't want to do this stuff because he was like behind on all this work, and his teachers were mm-hmm. like. His teachers were begging, like, just look, just turn in one paper. We'll we'll graduate you. Mm. We love you. Just mm-hmm. fin- just do one thing. And he was barely doing that. So we were getting into it back and forth. And then at some point, I was like, I was like, yeah, no, like the counselors really said that you have to, like, you're in danger of not graduating if you don't do X, Y, Z. And he was like, Dad, I'm not in danger of not graduating. They were just saying that, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, we were going back and forth about it. And at some point, he said, Dad, I, this is going to be hard for you to hear, but I don't need you to parent me anymore. No, let's take a moment. Let's take a moment. So wait, wait. And it was like, it was fascinating because I, you know, it's really mm. hard for me not to, you know, I'm, it's really hard for me not to parent. <laughs> All yeah. of a sudden. But he yeah. needed that transition in that moment. And mm-hmm. uh, I made a decision. My, my answer to him was, I hear that. Okay. I hear mm-hmm. that. And, but inside... I was like, I wanted to be like, are you kidding me? You're going to always need me to parent you. You're going to, what about when you, and your first heartbreak and your first this and when Mm -hmm. you need to open to this. And like, you're going to always, but I realized in that moment, it's not about me. It's actually about Mm -hmm. what him. And, Mm -hmm. And so from that point forward, I actually did try to stop offering parenting to him mm-hmm, when he wasn't mm-hmm. asking for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's like that's like what is the parenting? And like what is the transition of the parent? They're always going to be the parent, but like I, I find myself telling my kids all the time these spaces of like 
I've taught you everything I have to teach. Like you can yeah, take care of right. yourself. Like That's I know, right. like you know, it's like That's this right. constant saying of like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't got anything else for you. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like right. I, you, you right. know this shit. Yeah, I, I, you know, like, and they, and it's like, I, I, we had, I don't, um, I had this, you know, they have, um, because I parented them, right? Like they, I'm their parent. And my partner, their parent, and they didn't like they've got to grow in a different way than I got to grow in. Mm-hmm. So there's a way that their intuition, their like emotional intelligence is yeah. like way I got like Let's way off the charts. <laughs> Let's like, talk about raising like, kids that have access to emotional stuff that we didn't have access to and how that adjustment to recognize that they're able to do shit that we weren't able to do. That and how we accept now, that, you know, that we that can't, I do, can't now. do now. That yeah. I can't do now. So we'll have these moments where, like, I am about to, like, just lose it. I don't, like, it doesn't happen that often. Let's say I'm about to, like, just, I'm just holding a line with the youngest. Like, I'm just, like, holding a line. And Blue will come and say to me, like, you know this isn't going to work, right? <laughs> and I'm like, you, you're just, like, you know that this isn't. And I was just, like... Yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. like, you know, yeah. like, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Or they'll yeah. come and say, like, you know, I know you're like, you know, they're like, they'll tell their dad something like, I know you're not, like, you're not okay right now. Yeah. And they're like, I'm fine. Yeah. And they're like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and then it's yeah. kind of becomes this kind of back and forth. And it's kind of this way of like, I had to, I say to them, and it happens with me too, of like, you got to understand we're limited. Yeah. Like we are limited. And so if you are going to wa- wait for us to be where you are, like you will be waiting forever yeah. and we can't progress in that way. So you're going to have to grow past. You're going to have to, you're going to have to like grow past. You're going to have to let yourself like, especially thinking about things like gender. I mean, I can't, I'm, I'm like treading water and they are fucking floating in the ocean. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, if you wait for me, please away from me. <laughs> like, please away from me. And I think one of the things that has surprised me in this process of like where we are, where I am in my parents and relationship is they need permission. Like they need me to give them permission mm. to detach. You know, like mm. they need to hear me say, it's good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, you're, you growing isn't like an abandoning me because they're so loyal. Like kids are so loyal mm. to their parents. And mm. I know because I'm loyal to my parents and they're so, and this idea of like, it's okay. And how wow. much I wish wow. more people got to hear that from their parents of wow. like, you know, go, <laughs> you know what I mean? Versus like, no, say it's like, and wow. I want to, yeah. So there's a lot of that. I wonder if my kids feel that way, actually. I mean, I don't get the sense that my daughter does. My daughter has always reveled, seems to take great joy in going. Mm-hmm. Like, that's always been her default mm-hmm. thing. As soon as she was old enough to, like, operate outside the house, her goal was to do that as much as possible. And she seems to take great pleasure in it. She seems to take great pleasure in, she's very comfortable defining her terms. I will come mm-hmm. to you when I need something. Mm-hmm. I will, you know, and it's like pretty regular. Like I, I, you know, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll reach out to you. I'll like call you up and like vent about a thing. And she calls me after her games and vents about the ref. And she calls me after her teacher does something and she vents about her teacher. And she calls to tell me gossip about these kids who I don't even know, which I always appreciate. That's the yes. one that really touches my heart when she says that. So, okay. So you know how that girl had a crush on someone. And I'm just like, I don't know who <laughs> any of these people are, but I'm just sitting here nodding. Cause I'm like, this is so sweet that she wants to include mm-hmm. me in this, but I don't, I never get the sense that she's had, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I wonder, but I, but I really do wonder about my son. If he feels on some level, like, a certain connection or identification with us as his parents that he, mm-hmm. you know, that's an interesting thing. I had, had never thought of that mm-hmm. before, but it, it's relatable because I felt that way too. Mm-hmm. I feel that way very much with my relationship to my own family of origin. Mm-hmm. The places I've had to go personally in order to mm-hmm. become who I needed to be, there's 
there's some abandonment and resentment around that abandonment that exists between me and my family of origin for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I had to I, go, I mean, you yeah. know, and it's like, I'm always like, okay, now let, now that I'm establishing who I am, let me go really bond with these people again. But then I get on the phone with them for like 20 minutes and they say some shit that just crumbles mm-hmm. my whole thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's why I don't be mm-hmm. like really with that. Like, and so I wonder if, um, I wonder I want to say if two my things. kids experience that too. Two things, two things, two things that come to mind for me. One is recognizing our power as parents, as like the people with the privilege in these this relationship. Yes. And I don't know that our parent, you know, like our knew that and how nice it would be to like have those transitions. For some reason, it's make me think about like having a will and how they tell like black people don't have wills. And this idea, I remember someone said like a will is like your way of of being in care of the like the your family of the people and I was like oh that's so interesting and it's kind of that same thing of like there is a care that I get to give to you by like letting you know we're good even though you are going to be like moving past me and going past me that I think a lot of that tension and resentment and how we can like be together even when we're not together the breakdown of families I think we could mm. heal that which is exciting as you're saying I was like oh shit Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, like, I, too, I was, a, I was um, like, I don't know if I, how much I was, like, I'm like your daughter, but I definitely was, like, a go person. Like, mm-hmm. I went away. I was the first person to leave, move out of my parents' house. Mm-hmm. I was the first person to, like, go to college. I, mm-hmm. I moved to Mexico for, a, mm-hmm. like, for a period of time. Just right. got in a car and drove. Like, I'm right. that kid, right? Right. And when I was being that kid, I didn't know I was being that kid, if that makes right. sense. I didn't know. I just thought it didn't matter. Like I just, and I think probably because I've always been that person, I didn't, I didn't listen back to like Mm. what was left in my wake. I just didn't. And it was in these moments that would happen of like that kind of feeling of resentment or like, but like abandonment or like this kind of like, um, Mostly, it's interesting for my siblings more than for my my mother or my father. Mm. Like I don't think they could say it in that way. Mm-hmm. But and I don't think it. And I don't know. You know, resentment might, might not even be the right word. But this is mm-hmm. feeling of like mm-hmm. we didn't get to do it. We didn't get to do it together. We didn't get mm-hmm. to be ceremony. Like it didn't. It wasn't like a mm-hmm. sending off. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like a kind of mm-hmm. like you see all like old movies of white people and they go to war and it's like this whole yeah, ceremony. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 we ain't getting that <laughs> shit. You know, it's like you don't have those ceremonies, so it's just like you're done. Yeah. Um, and I just think that I, I guess I just want to say that like I didn't know, and it, even though I was going, I was gonna yeah. go anyway. I wonder how it, how healing it would have been, or what it would have felt like to like have like permission or ceremony around it, like a conversation around how it feels to say goodbye. Like, I don't know how I'm learning as an adult, how to say goodbye. Do you think this is a question that I've been thinking about ever since when my marriage ended and we Mm -hmm. made it, it ended like messy, obviously as a lot of marriages Mm -hmm. do. And then later we made, we like (laughs) made up, we made amends. We talked Mm -hmm. about it in a loving way and all this stuff. And at the time I was clamoring for some you can't just leave like after all we've been through like if you want to go fine go but let's like can we just be together in some kind of way because we made Mm -hmm. this vow and our love and and the kids and all that and she trying to kind of like wasn't trying to hear that and i remember years later when we sat down and talked about it one of the things Mm -hmm. she said was um i don't think i could have left if i really acknowledged what it meant um mm. like i like mm-hmm. in other words she's like i had to leave like forcefully in order to get out of the institution cuz the strength of the institution was so great i was not in a place to like consciously uncouple like i couldn't do any of that mm-hmm. like i, I can do that now mm-hmm. that i'm out but i couldn't mm-hmm. do that then mm-hmm. and i understood that and i've i've been thinking about that ever since that was like t- you know 10 years ago but i've been thinking about that mm-hmm. ever since about sometimes we have to destroy a thing in order to get out of it not destroy is a hard word but i wonder if um i just wonder if you f- yeah you know i'm just, just yes just because that out. part of growing up Right, like, I, because I, I hear the like the which are at least I. This is what happens when we talk to Carva. We have to use all the words because people don't know the like all the conversations that we're having on different like planes. But 
I hear you saying that similar to what your 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 um, ex wife expressed to you often happens with children. Yes. Of that feeling of like I have to break out. Like I yeah. can't. I can't like consciously. Yeah. Leave, you know. And I've, I'm hearing that from so many of my, like, so many parent friends that I have that now have, like, teenage, like, our age, yeah. right? Like, they're, yeah. there's this way of, like, when they were 10, when they were 12, when they were 13, they were the bestest. We were, like, mm-hmm. hanging out. Oh, my gosh, we're so great, wonderful. And then they hit 16. And it's like, I want to, like, kill this. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. What the, who did my lovely, we're mm-hmm. in this together, we're conscious parenting. Who mm-hmm. is this person that now lives in my household? Mm-hmm. And what I realize is, like, part of... What I keep communicating, keep coming to is like, it's literally you that they have to grow past. So mm, no matter yes. how wide you are, how yes. progressive, how expansive, yes. how, yes. you know, liberal, how, whatever the hell it is, you one. are actually what they have to grow past. So it's amazing. It's great That's that you're wide. It's great that you're wide because when they grow past you, they're really growing past some shit because it's like right. real wide. Right. But that's part of what's going to have to happen. And I think that's heartbreaking for parents because, you know, for so many, because you part of what you're trying to do in being wide and expansive, I hear parents saying all the time, like, I just want my kid to be whoever they want to be. I want them to just be like, that shit's going to hurt because... Yeah. Who they're gonna be, or who is literally a rejection. Of Your kids have you. to find some way. Yeah, they have to find a thing that is their own that is not yours that you aren't down with, mm-hmm. and that you know, and that's part of how they, it's part of how we establish yeah. the energy we need to go out into the world. And yeah. this is the, the joke about I'm not a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. That's why there's that joke about that cool mom because that person is like basically what you do as a parent when you're trying to like. It's it's kind of it's kind of like self-centering. It's like you mm-hmm. don't want the you can't accept actually the kid growing past you. So you just keep widening you to make sure they know everywhere they go, there you are. Everywhere they go. And there like, you, you are. can live in my I, house forever. You can live in my house. And they're yeah, like, I, <laughs> no, I gotta go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Deuce, I ha- I'm gonna exactly. have to leave. And it's like Yeah. And yeah. so I think that I think that what I one of the things I've had to learn in having teenagers. It, that is ego death. People are always like, oh, dude, mm-hmm. you know, do mushroom, let's ego death. I'm like, have teenagers. That's ego mm-hmm. death. Because mm-hmm. they have made it clear and they keep making, and every time I forget, they come back to remind me that, no, we have to move past you, old man. You are mm-hmm. not going to be the greatest dad who ever lived, old man. Like, you are not going to be the center of my universe, old man. Like, and if you start thinking that you're like back mm-hmm. in there as like the perfect dad who provides everything we need exactly as we provide it, we're going to remind you that you're fucked up here and you're wrong here yeah. and we're not fucking with you here and and you need to accept that. And the only f- thing I've like, the only way I've learned to navigate through that f- over years and years of that is to accept it. Just mm-hmm. accept where. It's funny because just mm-hmm. the other day we were, when we were going to the Mother's Day thing, they work at the same place. They work at the same restaurant, which is so cute. I find that mm-hmm. so cute. But they also are siblings at work, and so they fight a lot of time about stuff at work. And they were in, they were in a continuation mm-hmm. of a fight that started at work in the car about him mansplaining to her how to do her job. And he's had the job for like a year longer, maybe seven or eight months longer than she's had. So he feels, and he's the older brother, but she's had it long enough that she knows what the hell she's doing. So at this point, it is mansplaining. And so she was trying to like argue with him about it. He was trying to defend himself. No, I just, you know, I've been doing it longer. And then uh, at some point they brought me into it. So then I said what I thought, yeah, it probably is mansplaining. And just because she does it differently doesn't mean it's wrong. You probably just, you know, if she doesn't ask for your help, you don't need to give it to her, all that shit. And then, Mm -hmm. And then he turned to her and he goes, see, the reason I am the way that I am is because look at dad. He taught me how to be that way. And I was like, I'm like driving the car. I'm like, yo, what? Like what? And then, and then she goes, this is the best part. Then she goes, she goes, you can't blame this on dad. Like, she's like, you can't blame this on dad. Like, and I'm like, finally, my baby comes to my rescue. And she's like. She was mm-hmm. like, you're 19 years old. It's your problem now. We all know dad sucks, but that's not you. And I just was like. <laughs> yeah. No, that happens. That happens over here. That happens over here. That happens over here. That happens. That happens over here. And it's my ego was always, like, like, you know, you sound like mom right fuck, now. But I've like, been through yeah, this washing machine. I've been through yeah. this cycle so many yeah. times by now yeah. that I know that like, all, like I just need yeah. to give them their space to yeah. say their thing. 
let them get through with it. And then literally, you know, yeah. hours later, they're calling me up, asking me for my advice about this and telling me, you know, it's like, yeah. I can't. So like, that's the, the ego death part of it yeah. is you do have to let your kids move past you and dismiss you and denigrate you a little bit and like blame you for all their problems. Mm-hmm. You have to let them do that. Mm-hmm. How are you coping? I'm just, I try to be really grateful like, I try to really appreciate every moment I have with them because it really is beautiful. Like, it does make me really happy. Even just, like, going out to some random suburban mall yesterday to meet up with my daughter at the, like, mm-hmm. mall piercing place. I just felt such a rush of love when I saw her. And I just, you know, I was able, I, like, allowed myself to feel that and express that. And I think for me, just to be able mm-hmm. to hold those feelings of love is very healing for me. It helps heal some of the other feelings of pain and grief and loneliness that I have. Um, For me, Mm -hmm. also, and it's Mm -hmm. the same with him. Like, I feel such gratitude. Mm -hmm. Um, I, Yeah, it's just great. And I'm always hugging them, and they're always like, oh, dad, get off me. But then I'm, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I think also... For me to talk about it, to say that I'm mm-hmm. that I'm sad is like a new thing for me, because I don't do that. Like I grew up with an with an onslaught of difficult feelings and pain mm-hmm. and trauma and hurt and mm-hmm. grief, and I learned early on for me the best way to deal with those was to like have this internalized system of metabolizing them and getting over them and moving on and no one can stop me and all that shit. Nothing's going to break my stride. Like that was my whole vibe growing up. And so I never talked about grief. Um, I never admitted to other people, especially that I was sad. So even just having that conversation, sometimes I'll just call their mom and be like, I'm really sad. I miss the kids. And like just having another person who loves the kids the way I do, just be able to hold space for that. That that is healing for me. Like, and you know, and she's good at this point knowing that her job isn't to like fix that or help that or like, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's not about it's just I need a space to say some, something. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's a newish thing, like to just be able to say that I'm feeling grief. Mm-hmm. I wanna say you this is like if there wasn't a reason before, let it be a reason now to like heal any kind of like hurt in like like relationships that have like ended because that is a hundred percent. I think like my biggest coping comes with like being able to share that with someone else. So if that is, if that is available to you, if that's available. I would, to you, if that's available. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's not for <laughs> so many different reasons, mm-hmm. but if that is available to you, absolutely. And I think the other way, I mean, I'm making a lot of new friends. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm like making a lot of new friends. Mm-hmm. I am, I feel like I'm trying to catch them. And, and what I mean by that is mm-hmm. like, they're growing past me and I'm letting, like I want them to grow past me. I'm giving permission for them to grow past me. But I'm also like, there's so much work for me to do yeah. to like try to meet them. You know, like yeah. try to deepen my understanding around you know, my emotional intelligence, my ideas around gender, my connection yes. with self and art. And like, like I yeah. am inspired and like figuring out how to, uh, um, I know my life, my house. my <laughs> um, So that's something that's happening. And I think like you're, what you're saying, like letting myself be sad about it, like letting myself feel all of the feelings that are coming up around it. Um, I guess, and then the other thing that I'm doing is I really feel something that not, I feel like, hmm, um, what do I want to say? Hold on. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you. Well, whoever, everybody, please, <laughs> please, um, sorry. Um, but I feel like, you know, I've talked to, I have like some parent friends and I mean, I have a lot of parent friends, right? Parent, friends that are parents mm. who have maybe strained relationships with their children, whether mm. because of a separation or just so many mm. different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not, 
It's not mm-hmm. easy for them. Mm-hmm. Like the like certain things are just not easy for them. Mm-hmm. And they, we often talk about like what is the role they can play. And I, I'll say to them like as they're talking, I was like, you know what you can do. You can be a safe place to land mm. because somewhere in That's your child's right. life, they are going to need a moment. Yep. That child that you didn't talk to in a year, that child yep. that is like moving all the world, they're going to need a moment where they just need like a safe place. Like, I don't know, ask me, no, don't ask me nothing. I don't have to yep. explain anything, but I know yes. I can like land here. Yes. And what you can be doing is preparing that space. Terrifying. I'm really scared that, like, you know how the rest of the world's behind us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. In that way, mm-hmm. like, on discomfort in their bodies and in the queerness. I don't want that to happen with us, the distance and that discomfort and inability to talk, and that scares me. So just remind me that that's not going to happen. Teach me how, because I don't understand that. Just be here. Teach you how what? How that's going to work. How there's not going to create distance between us mm-hmm. as you grow. Yeah. Oh, shh. That's okay. Thank you. I, that's good marching orders. That's good. I need to, I need to think about that. And so I feel like part of what my work is now, too, is like preparing those soft spaces to land. And you know, like you always see in like these movies, too, white people, and they go back to their childhood home and their room is exactly the way they left it. And yeah. I don't know nobody that had that shit. Like, it's just Never not a thing, right? Like, that. like yeah. <laughs> that's just not a thing. But like, as soon as you leave, some cousin got to move in or the, yeah. they have to, you know, like it's never, yeah. that's just not, that's just not an experience that I, I know that people, people can, have like, an a abundance lot of, people get of to space. Have. They yeah, always, or just like, yeah. <laughs> and even if it's not necessarily like space, it's also like emotionally, do you know, yeah. like, do like emotionally, and I was saying our friend, like, you know, you know, not, it's not about like, do you have an extra room for them to sit, to sleep in? It's like, can I come and be in your space and feel at home? Yeah. Like know that I'm gonna like be yeah. safe. Yes. And it's gonna be warm. Yes. And I can like chill the fuck yes. out. Yes. And I feel like that's the other thing I'm doing right now. It's like I am yes. curating through so many things. Like it's kind of what you're talking about, um, around your son. It's like using all your resources and all of what you know to create soft spaces for him to land all wherever he ends up being. Absolutely. And so, yeah. I got to say that feels really good too. And I I know that it's one, you know, when you have little kids, you don't know what you're doing because you've never had little kids before. So parenting Mm -hmm. is very much just making up shit as you go along. But I remember when the kids were in their single digit years and, um, I don't remember if it was an older parent who told us this or where we got this, but we started to get this idea that the main thing we should keep in mind when we're making parenting decisions, you know, for kids who are seven, eight, nine, is that at some point they're going to be 15, 16, 17. And at some point during that, they're going to be in a situation in which they have to decide either to do something sketchy or to call you. And Mm -hmm. that you should parent in such a way that they will feel like the decision to call you is available to them. And yes. that was always like a mantra in my head. And I'm not saying I always yes. did that, but that was like mm-hmm. a value that I felt like that we were creating. So that's what inform how like my, how I responded to like them doing something I didn't want them to do and mm-hmm. how much mm-hmm. I, you know, that would try and that just informed stuff. And I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. And I feel like of mm-hmm. all the things that we were guessing at, that was one thing that we kind of got right, that that is actually mm-hmm. the value that we want to create with our kids mm-hmm. is that. Is is this is like that safe space, and it doesn't mean like we coddle or we do everything or we never challenge them. Mm-hmm. It just means that we don't challenge them from a place of trying to make them feel less than, just because they're learning something or struggling with something or learning something. We try to hold them in a place where we they feel that love is unconditional and complete, regardless of how right or wrong they've done any particular thing. <laughs> 
Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Carvel, thank you so much. Oh, I've been asking people at the end. You've asked me questions, but do you have a question for me? Um, is there a thing that you have fear about? Hmm, that is a good one. I think, and I gotta. I want to release this. It's, it's mm. nice that you're saying it because I want to mm. kind of release it because I don't know how it's impacting how I'm parenting, but I know parent, mm. like fear is not a good space. Mm-hmm. I really want my children to like love each other in my absence, mm. the way they love <sighs> each other in my presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know how. This, I don't know if that like you know like and like when I. Like when I die, yes, but also like even when you know, just like I want their siblinghood, like their their community, their co- like there's it's so tight and it's so powerful. I feel like together they could do like anything. Together, like they're invincible. They're like they levitate. They like. Part of how they've been able to develop this level of emotional intelligence and insight and is they're just like feeding off each other, like sharpening, you know, like all. Mm -hmm. And I just have experienced for myself in my own siblinghood and what I've seen with so many people is like that relationship hasn't been nurtured or cared for or like, like people aren't going to like, sibling therapy, you know what I mean? Like, Mm. and it's such a, it's such an important, it shapes us, you know, like in ways that we can't know. And I just, so I think there's definitely something about, um, I've I've tried to back off more, you know, like I, I, cause I know that that's something I'm like, really, I value and, um, it's so cat. So I, so I got a dog, right? You know, like the dogs which came in here. So I got a dog, um, a year, like a year ago, um, a little bit over a year ago. And I've learned so much about parenting through having this dog. Mm. I mean, I can't. I want to do like I need to do a whole episode about pets mm-hmm. because it has like, it has been huge, right? Dog, like it, I can't even. I don't know how to say this, but it just is the fucking mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. And one thing, like, so we traveled recently and we had a dog sit. We got um, a dog sitter and they have a dog. And it was like, you bring the dog over to sit with, um, they wanted to come by. They wanted me to bring the dog to visit with their dog just to right. see, like, so what's the temperament. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, how they going to be, how they going to be. And I was like, oh, shit. This is, we, we really want to go on vacation. This is going to be, this is going to be a shit show. <laughs> I don't know. My dog's not like hanging out with the dogs. I didn't know what's going to happen. I was like, we just going to like, see, you know, she, you know, she go to park, she'll play with, like, I didn't know. I didn't know it was going to yeah. be a close base. It's this dog's house. You know, like I was like, I don't yeah, know what's going yeah. on. So we go over to visit and, um, you know, the dog's like a little big, it's like bigger than my dog, not much bigger, but bigger. And they're kind of checking each other out, like easing it. And, you know, my dog literally shits in their backyard, like shows her old ass. Um, but, but these are like dog people. And they're like, oh, that must mean that she's comfortable. I'm like, oh, nice. Okay, good. <laughs> you know, like, you know, whatever case me. And then I notice like the dogs, they start like playing, but like aggressively with each other. And I'm like, oh, shit, do I step in? Like, what's like, somebody going to get hurt? Like, what's happening? And um, the dog sitter, who's amazing, she was like, no, they got to work it out. Like, you got to let them, like, figure it out. Like, just, we're going to see, like, you know, we're mm-hmm. we here. Like, you're not going to let nobody, mm-hmm. like, cut mm-hmm. any. Like, nobody, like, there's no blood, man. But, like, you got to let them, they got to, like, back up. Like, you got to let them be- figure it out. And I mean, within, like, minutes, like, literally, they just, they figured it out. You know, mm-hmm. like, who? 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Whose toy mm-hmm. is it? Like, who are we moving? And it's figured it out. And I that happened, what? That happened, like, three weeks ago. <laughs> and I, like, from there, I've, like, just been stepping back a lot more. Like, mm. I'm a very, like, get involved in the conflict mm. kind of way, parent. Like, I'm mm. like, you talk it out or, like, do this person. Mm. And I've gotten, like, it was, like, such a good lesson to me. I was like, right, I got to, like, let them, like, let them hash it out. Let them figure it out. It's going to mm-hmm. be okay. Like, they're not mm. going to break. They mm. love each other. They're going to mm. be all right. And, like, let them do that shit now mm-hmm. versus when they're 40 mm-hmm. or 35 and they don't have the tools and there's too many feelings and it's mm-hmm. not worth it and they got their own families. Mm-hmm. Like, let them hash it out. It's going to be all right. And I, yeah. um, yeah, it was a powerful lesson to me. Yeah. So, yeah. That's such a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's such a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Bye. Bye. Until <laughs> <laughs> next time. Stand up fussing and fighting Why not just get together and live in one love and one unity, you know